It's true. There's this folklore, a lot of oral tradition. I mean, Star Wars, you know, we don't even have the original copies of the original Star Wars. They've just been handed down and then. So you are know. you saying this is going to be the Bible to the um, future generations? <laughs> oh, exactly. Some people, it's already the Bible. What are you talking about? Not future gen present generations are already considering this their Bible. It is close to scripture. It is sacred and holy. The force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> oh my god, please move on! Welcome to episode 37 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a glass of wine, a cup of water, a tumbler of single malt scotch, or maybe even a PBR. You can watch us live Tuesday. PBR, <laughs> really? What? You throw them off. Keep going, Brian. PBR. No, no PBRs. Let's stay on PBRA. Sorry. You can watch us live Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern time at pubtheology.com or on YouTube. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. And tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors. Craft Beer Cellar is the home of premium craft brews. Visit craftbeercellar.com for a location near you and to order your gift cards for Christmas because everyone likes beer for Christmas. You can win free beer from the Craft Beer Cellar by joining our conversation. You can comment anytime on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PTLive. And we're also sponsored by Casual Priest, high-quality collection of functional and comfortable clerical garments. Great gift for anyone who you uh, know might be a clergy person. Um, visit Brian's page to see him. Oh, visit the R page and see Brian showing off uh, himself and one of their outfits you can enter to win a shirt or a bag by checking out their stuff at casualpriest.com and then go to their facebook or instagram page use the hashtag pt live tell them which outfit you like the best and they're going to choose three winners for the shirt a shirt a male shirt female shirt and a bag i think um i think we probably got to the end of the week to get uh your comments in and then we're gonna close that up because this is our last episode for the year and as usual you can listen to us itunes stitcher uh, soundcloud and watch the video on youtube where you will see my amazing christmas sweater there you go exactly i caught you off guard by mentioning pbr didn't i you did man pbr pbr <laughs> that was a knee-jerk reaction there <laughs> oh no and then he caught me off guard with his reaction couldn't help myself <laughs> That's what I mean. PBR, pbr i classify as the maintain the buzz beverage not get to the buzz beverage yeah but, how many licks does it take to get to a tootsie roll and how many but, but we accept PBR? everyone even a pbr person <laughs> we accept everyone doesn't mean that we need to practice everything we accept all right <laughs> Speaking of beverages, tonight we discuss our coffee habits. How much do we drink if we do drink coffee? How early and how often? And a maybe related topic, how do we cope with the long days of winter when sunlight is at a premium? And we discuss whether surrendering is a helpful uh, way to approach religion or spirituality. And this pressing question, should pastors be friends with their congregants. But before we get to all of that, we're going to have our Christmas gift exchange live on the show. So that's going to be awesome. Woo! Woo! My name is Brian Burkoff. I am the pastor of Holland UCC and author of the book Pub Theology. And tonight I am once again drinking a Norm's Gateway Session IPA brewed right here in the Mitten State. And with us, as always, Ogan Holder and Tina Simmons. Welcome both. Thank you. Thank you. I am Reverend Ogan Holder, and my fierce guard <clears throat> dog, Shih Tzu, is you can hear barking in the background because my daughter is probably coming home from her dance class right now. I am drinking. Um, Tis the season for spiked eggnog again. Yes. And I meant there was only a little bit of rum left in the 
in the bottle. So I thought I'd just pour it all in. It turned out to be a little more than I thought it would be. So, this is after he had a glass of wine with dinner. After a glass yeah. of wine with You're pace yourself. Pace yourself. I am I am pacing myself. And let's just be a little louder when we come in. Why don't we? <laughs> family welcome, show. welcome, Tina. It is a family show. <laughs> it is. Hey, uh, Tina Simmons here. And tonight I am drinking eggnog as well, because it's the season. Mm, yay. Um, and I have this big old bottle of rum that I had bought when my friend Ogan came to town and we never drank. No, so. we didn't. Yeah. But unlike Ogan, I have dairy free eggnog. Oh, that no such thing. <laughs> I oh, know you love that. Not, that's that's not eggnog. I don't know what that is. Dairy free eggnog. The the key ingredient of eggnog, the very first ingredient of eggnog, if it's good eggnog, if it's eggnog, period. It's cream. My apologies, you're right. It does say almond nog. Yeah, yeah. That's gross. And I don't recall when I came to visit you that you told me about that bottle of Bacardi. We never drank at my house. We were always out. But we came home at some point. Oh. <laughs> you didn't tell me you had that bottle of Bacardi. I would have... Uh, Sorry. It's here. Come back. I was in a mood that weekend anyways. Yeah. So I feel a little bit out of the loop uh, not having eggnog. You guys forgot to tell me I didn't dress for the occasion. I didn't either. Eggnog, man. It's not get your eggnog. Eggnog. All right. So uh, last week, post-show, we decided impromptu, why don't we send each other a gift yes. or two? <laughs> <laughs> so we have some uh, packages to open, as I understand it. Yes, we do. Who wants to go first? Ladies first. Oh, oh, I go first. Okay. Here we go. The lady on the show. So I got an envelope from Vegas. Oh, and it's a turtle bracelet. It's really cute. Oh, there oh, we go. From, from Vegas. Which one, <laughs> which one of you guys is that from? That's Brian. Brian? Oh, That's thank you, Brian. I love it. It's You're very welcome. cool. Um, Tina's in a turtles, by the way, because our listeners might not know that about you. but Yeah, when we were talking about tattoos earlier, my tattoo is a turtle, a sea turtle. There you go. With the world on it. This looks like a book. It is a book. It's a little book, and it's called Lessons of a Turtle, the Little Book of Life. And that Dang. is so perfect. I love it. Working the turtle angle, Brian. Hey. Thank you. Oh, that one's for you, Brian? Oh, Ogan, you're, maybe yours came in the same box then. I think mine probably did because I ordered both of mine at the same time. Do you want to repeat your story of how you ended up giving us both pres two presents? So, so the idea was to send each person a gift. So in my head, I was like, I got to buy two things for Brian and Tina, as in one each. But then by the time I got to order in, in my head, all I had was two things for Brian and Tina. So it turned into two things each for Brian and Tina. Not so complaining. That's, 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 I don't do good math. <laughs> so you two are hysterical because like two of my favorite things in the world are turtles and wine. So Brian go. goes the turtle and, and without discussing it, Ogan goes the wine angle. Wine angle. And so there's a chill, there's a chill rod, chill and, rod, and and aerator as you pour. Ooh, an aerator. An aerator. So, so I can keep my wine close to me, <laughs> and a wine coloring book for adults. Which thank you so much because I love coloring books for adults, and I I don't have one, and I was gonna buy uh, myself one. Crack that thing open. Shows a couple pictures because I I was kind of hesitant. There was no look inside option when I bought it on Amazon. So. They're like, oh, um, cool. yes. yeah, they're like mandalas. But those would make great tattoos, actually. They would what? Make great say? tattoos. Oh, they actually would. I don't yeah, think I want a wine glass as a tattoo, though. Are you sure? Hmm. Like on an ankle <laughs> or on a calf or something. Yeah. <laughs> right, you, know what? you know what? Put a wine ball on one calf and a wine glass on the other. There you go. Who's going to be the first to get the pub theology tattoo? That's what I want to know. That would be me, of course. <laughs> yeah, that would be you because it's not happening. Oh, all right, Brian, you're up. Am I up? All right, all right, I'm up. So, got a box here. Amazon doesn't even fit in the screen. Whoa! <laughs> what is in here? Oh, nice! A double wall wine glass tumbler set. 
That is fantastic. Nice. Because if you know my house, we um, we go through glass objects at a fair rate. I don't I know think, if it's clumsiness think, or I children. I think that's, I'm not sure. Oh, and it's actually, oh, look at that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's for that's me. It's like glass go. within a glass. <laughs> it's a glass within a glass. That's, that's cocky. Very cool. I like it. Yes. And also in the box. <laughs> Brew craft beer shampoo. Oh, that that's awesome. Beer. That is awesome. I'm going to have a good hair day tomorrow. And conditioner. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, I got to get that for Brian. You got to maintain that, that do of yours. So craft beer. And also it's got peppermint and caffeine. So this is like, I might drink this while I'm doing my hair. That's the trouble. <laughs> That'll energize you in the shower. That's freaking awesome. Hey, many thanks. Awesome. So my present didn't make it to Brian in time because it's it's custom made. Um, but Brian, I know you're not a Game of Thrones fan. However. What? I love Game of Thrones. Oh, you do? Oh, I didn't know that. We never talked about it. Okay. I thought you weren't. Anyhow, so um, last week when we talked about this, the first thing that popped into my head is because you're like very often the voice of reason on the show <laughs> when Oak and I start getting crazy. So I got you um, a pint glass that is engraved with um, it's what I do. I drink and I know things, which is the Tyrion <laughs> Lannister. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That is that, that makes it extra awesome. But they custom engrave nice. them by hand. So like it, it took longer. So it'll be there next week. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I think I think this might be one of you guys' gifts. Didn't anybody send me a book? Because if you didn't, this is going to get awkward fast. No, I didn't, I didn't so, send a book. So I told them that the other thing was, you know, I've been ordering stuff for Christmas as well. So after last week's show, um, I got like five boxes from Amazon, and we told each other that we were going <laughs> to open these on the show. So I didn't. We didn't think that through well because, like, I don't know which boxes were from you. Ogan, who didn't think I things did, through well? Yeah, Ogan, I did the same thing, but I looked at the tracking numbers on them and compared them to what I bought. Ooh, that would have been a good move. Out of you, he could only do <laughs> one plus one equals four. So <laughs> right. Listen, I messed up the number of gifts to order. You think I'm gonna think that I got a tracking number? All right, what do you got? How to dress your man. <laughs> America's leading authority on men's fashion. It's got to be from Ryan. It's got to be from Ryan. Yes, it's a book like from 1981 on men's fashion. And I just That's thought, awesome. Logan's always one step ahead, but I thought he might like to look backwards. <laughs> you got to describe that for the listening audience. Oh my That's God. awesome. Hey, if you're not watching the video, you got you to gotta watch the video for that. For that one. <laughs> Let's just say he turned it right to a man wearing nothing but briefs. So uh, Where did you find a book on fashion, but all right. Let's see. Let's see what Tina got me here. I like opening things. I think is this from what's a what's a digital smart light? I'm like I don't even know what this is. What is this? It doesn't have a picture on it? No, it doesn't. Well, <laughs> Oh my god, is this what I think it is? Oh, ooh, it's a Millennium Falcon. Ah! Wow. Cool. So it like lights up and it like reflects on your oh, wall. Oh, so you stick oh so you stick it in this thing, like so, and then you oh hey joy, come check this out. <laughs> You're such a nerd. Oh my god. <laughs> That's very cool. Thank you. That's awesome. You're welcome. All right. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Well done. I did have one more part to your one more gift, but I'm not sure if that came. Uh, it's in his other 12 boxes that he can't figure out what they are. What is that? It's a Millennium Falcon like lamp like thing. Isn't that cool? Who is this? Tina sent me. It was me. Joy, tell him to keep it in his office. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So, so uh, do you want me to tell uh, you what the other thing is or do you want to? hasn't gotten here yet because I think all the boxes... I had opened some of the other boxes that I suspected based based on no, that's not it. Based on delivery time. So I think I got everything opened. All right. Well, there is one more thing coming. So your gift, your second gift, well, both your gifts mirrored Tina's gifts. You got a, a book and then a bracelet 
Except I got you a men's fashion acceptable uh, bracelet <laughs> that I think is pretty cool, but you'll have to see. I, I look forward to I look forward to getting that. Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. Cool. That was fun. I need to charge this up, maybe. Okay, stop playing with your toys. <laughs> All right, so to toys, I'm going to play yes. with them. <laughs> As you're playing uh, with your toys under the tree. Yes. The question is, how many cups of coffee does it take? To do what? <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, I, um, I do not drink coffee. On a on a regular basis, when I was in college, I I really did a bad job of caffeine management. So in college, between uh, coffee, Coke, Mountain Dew, and and um, energy drinks were just coming on the scene when <coughs> I graduated. What is it, ninety seven? So like the earliest energy drinks were coming on. So I started to dabble in those two. Um, yeah, it was not good. I wasn't getting enough sleep. And you know, caffeine jitters and all that. So, um, when I graduated, I, um, I, I cut coffee and most caffeine uh, out of my diet, even to this day. Still, not a lot of caffeine intake. Um, so, no, I'm not a big coffee drinker. I will do sometimes some like maybe seasonal drinks. I do like my pumpkin spice lattes and my eggnog lattes. Um, when the occasion arises, but yeah, not a, not a big caffeine drinker. It, it takes a shower to wake me up. All right. All right. What about you, uh, Tina? I usually have a cup of coffee in the morning. Um, if I do it at home, I, I like pour over coffee. Um, yeah. I, what is that? One cup. I don't know what that means. Like it's, it's, you have this little thing and there's a filter in it and you literally just pour hot water into the coffee. Ah, um, and it comes through but so that's what i do at home but i i have my coffee after i have my lemon water so it's usually an hour or two after i wake up and then if i ever go if i go into town i always stop at in vancouver and get um a coffee at Co compass coffee because they just have the best coffee in the world so mm -hmm. that's the only time i'll ever have a second cup but i don't have to have it every day is that the place we went when i was there compass? probably i love it yeah yeah that was that was a good spot so that's good. They they do say that uh, a little bit later in the morning is the optimal time for coffee and caffeine to have its effect. So yeah. you're doing it. I think you're doing it right. If if I have it after three o'clock, I'll I'll be up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it turns out caffeine, moderate amount of caffeine, is good for you. Like you know, like wine and yeah, it ups your metabolism and yeah. Um, there was something else there, but. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead with your. He gets yeah, back so I she had a brain freeze. I did. Someone get her some coffee. <laughs> so, yeah, I need coffee just about before I get to the bathroom uh, when I wake up in the morning. So, Christy, just it's, like you're laying in bed, and she just comes by and hands you a mug. And you need caffeine when what? I just mean like first thing I need coffee, like before I brush my teeth or use the restroom or have breakfast. Do you have a do you, do, you, do you have a coffee maker in the bathroom on the sink right there? That's just gross. No, <laughs> well if I'm staying at a hotel, sometimes they have that arranged, but I don't have that set up at home. Gotcha. And so we do a French press, uh grind 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 the beans and then do the French press. Yeah. Uh but recently our we had a large French press cuz we drank a lot of coffee between the two of us, uh, but that cracked. Speaking of glass breaking in our home, and so we uh, <laughs> we had. I love how you're saying this, and we all we got we all got him glass. <laughs> I know. Hey, I, I need it. It did occur to me as I was sending him this gift. I was like, I'm sending a man with a house full of kids something made of glass. That might not be a good plan. Oh no, I think it's just my own clumsiness that's the problem. Um, but so now we have a smaller French press, but that means we need to like, you know, make more. French presses because you know it used to be that large one maybe would get me till ten o'clock but now I have to do the small one like twice before. So many cups that. do you drink a day? Wow, you're a serious coffee drinker. Yeah, how many cups a day? Um, probably three or four. That's not bad. Probably closer to four. Um, he's moderating. So how many? Three know, to four. Yeah, closer to four. <laughs> closer to four. Most <laughs> Some days ten, but you know, just there kind of. Uh, 
And actually, I was getting headaches for a while uh, mm-hmm. that the doctor said, why don't you cut back on your caffeine? And then they went away. So you so can't you overdo it. four or five cups again. <laughs> you can't overdo it. But yes, now I've ramped it back up. I, I did go down to one or two cups for a while, but now I'm, now I'm back on the bad habit. So the person, as a person with high blood pressure, which is uh, managed by, by meds, um, yes, my cardiologist said, uh, you might want to cut back on the caffeine as well. Your heart's, your heart's working oh, yeah. hard enough. You don't need to give it more stuff to work. Exactly. What he actually said was, you also want to might cut back on your pre-workout. I do a pre-workout shake, and I, I put in this, like, uh, the stuff that has caffeine in it to give you more energy to, you know, lift longer and heavier. And what he actually said to me was, yeah, you might want to cut back on that because, you know, you don't want your heart to explode or you'd have a stroke in the middle of the gym. I was like, oh, geez. Oh, how embarrassing. (laughs) 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 Wow. My goodness. So the question is, yes. well, how many days could you go without coffee? I think mine would be maybe two or three, but that would be painful. I, I can go without it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. It doesn't bother me either. Now, right, the question so is wine or beer. Now, that's a different question. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> yes. Did you see the, uh, the, face, or the uh, article that was going around on Facebook about uh, local Calvinists completes three-day craft beer fast? No, <laughs> and there were some quotes on on there like you know, with God, all things are possible. Yes, <laughs> that's funny. That's great. All right, so um, Simon and Garfunkel famously saying, "Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again." Seems fitting uh, this time of year uh, where. The sun seems not to shine as much. And even when we have sunny days, we have less daylight hours in the winter. Does that affect either of you? And how do you cope with uh, less sunlight and longer hours of darkness? I pop a lot of vitamin D. (laughs) Vitamin D, okay. Anything else you pop you want to tell us about now? (laughs) No, I'm not a pill barber. No, vitamin D, um, but I, I think it's healthy to go in to the darkness like I think it's a quieter time for people um I think people get more introspective in the winter time um mm-hmm. I think it's healthy ask me that in February and I'll be like I'm so tired of this I'm ready for sunshine and good weather but um yeah I like the cycles I like the uh changing seasons and and going you know the darker days I mean I'm, I'm looking at it was a full moon last night but you know the moon's out and I don't know it's still good I I I got like serious seasonal affect disorder stuff going on and um yeah long dark winters do not do well for me it it I my whole mood energy goes downhill fast and you know being being in this continuing um but a little better this year uh you know grief cycle that I'm going through uh, makes it even worse. But for me, I found, I realized that endorphins is my um, antidote. So I have to go to the gym, go to yoga. Uh, When it really gets cold, like I I don't want to be out walking or running, but um, gym and yoga four to five times a week. First thing in the morning before my brain has time to talk me out of it, um, I get up and I go. Um, it, I, I got to do it. If I don't do it, um, you will have one seriously depressed puppy on your hands. Um, and, and sometimes it is, it is a challenge. It is a challenge to get myself out of bed and go. Um, so like yesterday morning, for example, it was, it was, um, um, the weather wasn't so great here yesterday. We had some snow, a little freezing rain kind of stuff. So I decided, and Mondays I usually start my day with yoga. I decided not to go to yoga, not to drive to yoga. But I stayed home instead. And I also had some, some uh, an article due to a magazine and I was behind. So I was like, I'll stay home and write. So because I got out of my routine this morning when I woke up, I was so tempted to stay in bed and not go to the gym and not you know get my endorphin rush um you know it's it's and i know better i know i have to stay in that routine of doing it otherwise i'm gonna be a mess during the winter i need my sunlight um i think i don't 
maybe it's because you know i'm from the caribbean that i need the light but yeah it's you know four o'clock and it's almost dark out is not not fun for me take vitamin d just saying you know, I do, I, so i've tried the vitamin d i've tried the the lamps you know the sun lamps mm-hmm. i've tried both of those they don't they don't do it for me for some reason um i feel like you have a sun lamp on you right now yeah right. <laughs> i know Effie, no matter how cold it is, I still need to get outside in nature, even in the winter time. Otherwise, I'll yes. I'll get like that too. How about you, Brian? Would does it affect you? Darkness. Um, I don't think so, but it could very well be that I'm not self-aware and that it does affect me. But I, I don't, I, look, I don't know look, that it does. He looks tanned right now. I don't know what he's doing. Do you want um, like the middle of December? You, he looks tan. Are you like Simon and Garfunkel and you talk to the darkness? Ooh, yes, exactly right. You just gotta you gotta face your fear and talk it down or talk to it. Yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. So when we say the, when we say the darkness, are are we referring to our own inner darkness? You know, the the dark side of us. Because I think you know, I think a lot of times I don't I don't know about you, Brian, but. Um, I know in Unity, for example, we don't talk a lot about the darkness, the inner darkness. We don't put a lot of emphasis on, you know, what Young referred to as, you know, the mask the, and 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 the dark side and befriending shadow it. side, the shadow shadow side. You know, yeah, we don't we don't you know Unity tends to be a lot about um, um, uh, focusing your thoughts, optimism, positivity, focusing your thoughts on the reality you want to experience. Um, so yeah, so we we don't do a lot of that. I I personally, um, I think do more than most. Where I I tell people you have to look at that side of yourself. You have to accept it. You have to befriend it, um, as opposed to trying to av- avoid it. Um, I affectionately refer to the to the um, effervescent optimism of unity as the 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 bliss bunny syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes we gotta, you know, pay attention to the dark here as well. I think when you compartmentalize your darkness, um, it comes out when you don't want it to. And um, I, I firmly believe that we all have an arsenal of personalities at our disposal. And if we try to separate ourselves from some of them, they're gonna come out when we don't want them to. Instead of using them when we need them. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just say have some grapefruit. <laughs> vitamin C. Have some vitamin C. We bought a coconut at the store last week. Uh, so, you know, just have some things on hand that remind you that life is not always winter. There you go. I like that. Life is not always winter, but winter is coming. It's here now. Ooh, well, I just know things and drink a lot. <laughs> have you seen... Have you seen the preview for the new Game of Thrones for the new? No, oh, it's oh, out I there. S- oh, it's so I gotta good. look it up. Yeah, I saw looking it. it up after. I saw that it was out, but I have not watched it. Oh, it's good. Can't can't wait for the new season. Speaking of, um, did you see Rogue One yet? It's not out yet. Oh, I thought it came out yesterday. No, no, no. I think it comes out this Friday. Oh, you're right. What do I know? Yeah, maybe no. it was like advanced screenings or something because somebody Probably. said they somebody just posted the first review I, of it. I'm very excited and and I hope, you know, I don't I don't usually pray to baby Jesus, but I'm hoping I'm praying <laughs> to baby Jesus that this one was is gonna be better than the last Star Wars movie. Um, okay, so as far as Star Wars movies go, because I've only ever seen the first three, or is this oh. like the seventh one? Um, well, it's like the tenth one would. No, this this is yes, this is this is the seventh one, but this one actually occurs. This one doesn't count in the ordering. <laughs> no, no, we we all out of order now. The last, so the last movie that came out, uh, uh, what was the name of it again? I'm blanking. Force Awakens. Right, The Force Awakens. When The Force Awakens came out, the first The Force Awakens, in terms of the order, was technically yes, Episode Seven. Now this one. Wait, wait, wait. So it goes. Before the original three, and then it goes after the original three. So the original three were episodes four, five, six. Yes. Yep. And then we had one, two, three. 
Force Awakens okay. like episode. And seven. now we're now we're going on the backside. Yeah, everybody was old. Han Solo was old. You know, Princess Leia was old. So this is the eighth one now, then. No, nope. right, but don't think of it as episode eight. It is. It's it not. Is, it is not episode eight. It's not in the actual official series. This one actually technically occurs before episode one because in episode one, let me get all Star Wars geeky on you. On episodes one, in episode one, there's a scene when when the you know the the rebellion is gathered and they're about to attack the Death Star, and and the woman says, you know, many spies have died for us to get the information that that they go back to the so this rogue one is a story about one of those spies that gets the information about the death star so technically this occurs between episodes uh three and four got it yeah wait a man this is important information whatever exactly hey don't whatever in star wars man. <laughs> you know right, so i'm gonna my... bring us i'm gonna right, bring back us to pop theology <laughs> Yeah, into some theology, exactly. But, you know, this ties in perfectly because it's like the books of the Bible. It's like the books of the Bible, you know, right. not really collected in any kind of real chronological order. They're all over the place. It's true. There's this folklore, a lot of uh, a lot of oral tradition. I mean, Star Wars, you know, we don't even have the original copies of the original Star Wars. They've just been handed down and then... So you are know. you saying this is going to be the Bible to the um, future generations? <laughs> oh, exactly. Some people, it's already the Bible. What are you talking about? Our future gen- present generations are already considering this their Bible. It is close to scripture. So uh, if... it is sacred and holy. Exactly. The force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> Oh Thank my God, you. please move on. Thanks, Thanks you, my friend. To the <laughs> exactly. All right. So, <laughs> a friend recently asked, What's wrong with surrendering? What's wrong with surrender? I have an opinion on this. Go yeah, on. jump. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with surrendering, but I don't think it's an excuse to not take accountability for your own life. Does that make sense? No. Say sure. more that. Like, I think there's a difference between surrendering and not trying to control everything um, and having faith. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and I, I think there's a difference between that and not taking accountability for your own thoughts and your own actions and whatnot. Like, um, I don't think you, like, surrender to God and don't make decisions in your life or hold God accountable for your the things that happen to you. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Does got it make you. sense? Yes, it does. It does. And and surrender is a word that, that gets a bad rap because surrender for most people implies losing. Yeah, weakness. Su- right, weakness. I surrender because of loss. Surrender is, you know, along the lines of what you're saying, more of an, more of an openness, more of a willing to get your ego out of the way to something higher and grander. The more expansive than yourself and not resisting for me surrender is really about not um not resisting whatever's coming up through you as you in front of you but being in the flow of things you agree brian it is about being in the flow of things it's like it's an energy field created by all living things it surrounds <laughs> us and penetrates us it binds the galaxy together so you know what i'm gonna I, I'm, I'm sorry i'm gonna be the one that you, star wars actually does have kind of a religion you know it has a religious aspect to it the whole let's go, let's go spiritual and, i wouldn't say religious but spiritual uh, yeah spiritual definitely spiritual yeah, no but i i all kidding aside ogan i i think you're right i think um surrender viewed positively is a a uh yeah, an acknowledgement that things are larger than you and that you're willing to submit yourself uh, to whatever that larger thing is, whether you're talking about God um, or about your current life situation. And there is a balance there. And I heard Tina hinting at that because the negative side of it could be avoiding responsibility. But the positive side, I think, is accepting where life is right now and being at peace with that um, and then going saying, where do I go now from here? You know what I mean? Like achieving that internal peace, that 
reality is what it is. And now how do I choose to respond out of that versus not even accepting reality? And then it's hard to get any positive action going, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's well said. This quote I came across recently was from uh, Anthony DeMello, who was a Jesuit priest uh, and sort of mystic. He said, enlightenment is total cooperation with the inevitable. Total cooperation with the inevitable, which mm. I see the positive side of it, but it can also feel like this like laziness, like, wow, it's just kind of like. It's going to happen anyhow. Stoicism, like, well, what is, is, and I'm just going to let it happen. But I think well, it's rather coming to terms with life as it is. Yeah. I, for, for me, that talks about, that more speaks to the idea of, of we don't have control. Like we think we have control, but we really yes. don't. You know, ultimately the only thing we have control over is the choices that we make. Our thoughts and our actions. That, I mean, that's about it. You know, the rest of life happens, the rest of life happens. Yeah. By the way, Tina, mm -hmm. so I realize that when you turn this thing on and off, Ooh. the Millennium Falcon, different colors, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, sweet. This is awesome. Segwaying, segwaying back. I am so distractible right now. <laughs> that, and we know what page you're on, on how to dress your man. <laughs> Seriously, that might be the funniest gift I've ever received. <laughs> and I, and I, will, I will surrender to its advice. You, you have to page through and see if there's a black Santa sweater in there. I, I don't know about that, but, but look at this dude. Like, this is... <laughs> It's our fashion, man. What, nice. what year was this book written? Honestly, 1982. Oh, 81. I think it was 81. I think it was 81. Gotcha. 80s, 80s fashion coming coming into an extreme. In late but, 70s, you know. But I think, to, but to follow up on that whole surrender thing, I I think this is the issue with with the spiritual journey that I think and that we all come up against at some point. The deeper we go, the more we have to surrender the the you know and i think that's an issue for a lot of people a lot of people are afraid because if we surrender everything you know what whether we are surrendering to you know the, the spirit of god within whether we are surrendering to jesus whether whatever we are surrendering to it means that we have to be willing to lose the ego it means we have to be willing to say Whoever I believe myself to be, I have to be willing to put that on the sacrificial block and and let it go. And many people are terrified to do that because, like, what's left? What's going to come after? Who am I going to be after? What certain what certainties am I going to need to let go of in order to really fully embrace, you know, wherever I'm being led to or called mm -hmm. to? It's a scary um, place to be. It is. It it is a. It is. It is. It is a very scary place to be. You know. I mean, personally speaking, um, you know, I've, I've really been in that intense place twice in my life. Two. I mean, two really spiritual existential crises. You know, which I don't recommend to anyone. But at the same time, it it took me to a deeper level within myself. Uh, deeper understanding of relationship with connection with the divine but it was terrifying and and i really resisted that was that was part of what made it so hard the resisting of letting go what the parts of myself i was comfortable with yes and terrifying and wouldn't you also say deeply transformative Sure. After the fact, I mean, it had to, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. well, even when I, you're in it, I mean, even when you're in it, it is. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry. No, I was just going to affirm what's been said that, yeah, surrender is something that I think in our cultural milieu, mm -hmm. we resist because we're individualistic. We are very ego driven, very accomplishment oriented in our Western um, culture. And surrender, I think, is more of an Eastern practice, and it is uh, setting ego and self aside and trying to tune into the larger whole. But 
sometimes we're like, but where am I in that? But that's the point of, I think a lot of spiritual practices. It's not all about you, friend. It's about yeah. connecting with that okay. larger reality. It's about getting okay. rid of the eye. And, and, and I would say it's not just an Eastern thing. I mean, Jesus went through this when he was in the garden, not to jump to Easter, because here we are at Christmas, but you know, Ooh. that whole line about, you know, if it be thy will take this cup from me, you know, why, why is he saying that? Cause he's like, I don't know. I want to surrender to this. I don't know. I want to walk right. this path. I'm going to, but if you can give me an out, I will take it. <laughs> okay. But um, let's separate Jesus from Christianity for a second, because technically Jesus is more of an Eastern when you, you know, do the geography. Um, Wait, no, <clears throat> I, would, I would not call Judaism an Eastern philosophy. It's closer. I mean, it's... No. <laughs> Okay, whatever. But but my point is, you know, Brian says that, you know, it's more, Western philosophy is more ego-driven. Well, most of the Western philosophy is Christian. So is there a correlation there? Well, and I think your point is, is a valid one in terms of um, Judaism arose in the ancient Near East, but Christianity, which comes out of that, was also greatly influenced by Western philosophy, as in Greek um, philosophy, Roman thinking, yep. and so on. And so it has um, Eastern elements, but a lot of that has been obliterated by its Westernization. Um, yeah, I, I don't, because when you when you look into Christianity, it is all about surrender. You surrender to the will of God. You surrender yep. to, to um, basically, to the example that Jesus said. No, it's, Christianity is all about surrender as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's right. I mean, I think the whole idea, you know, whoever, you know, seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will save it. You know, that whole losing your life or taking up your cross, when Jesus says take up your cross in that context of first century uh, Middle East under, as a Roman colony, taking up your cross means you might be executed for following where I'm leading. Well, it's, it's not only that, but it's, it's about if you're taking up your own cross, you're basically saying, I am willing to step into to this sacrifice of my yeah. own love. That's right. You know, I'm, I'm willingly going to walk in because I'm clear that what I, what I stand for, what I believe is worthy of my life. And I'm, I'm going to help you out with it. I'm going to take up the cross I'm going to walk to that place um, willingly. So, so to bring it into now, modern day times is basically saying, I'm, I'm, I'm clear that whatever path I want to follow, uh, religion-wise or spiritual-wise, I know it's going to demand or ask of me to sacrifice my ego, sacrifice my, me sacrificing my control, me sacrificing thinking that I know better and... And you know what? I'm up for that. So let's go. I'm gonna take my cross. Let's go. I see. I don't. I don't think everyone. Well, I don't think the majority of Christianity sees it that way. I. I there's a difference between. Um, there's a difference between surrender and martyrdom, and, you know, I think a lot of people see taking up their cross as. More of a martyrdom than they do, you know, releasing the ego. Well, I think martyrdom is an extreme form of surrender because in martyrdom, you're saying, here's the cause I am willing to die for. That's right. You know, which basically saying that whatever this cause is, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering to it. So it is an extreme form. And personally, I don't believe in extremes. I believe in the middle road, you know, to, to, <laughs> quote, to quote the Buddha. I don't believe in ex middle, the middle road is where it's at. <laughs> you know, so. we're, we're down. Yeah. We, we've already lost a few listeners who have. <laughs> gone off and taken up their cross sorry that was a poor attempt at a joke there but um very poor yeah i mean i think there's, there are multiple ways to take up or to read taking up your cross or surrendering and as ogan said you know it could be i mean it, you know ideally it should be i'm willing to live in a certain way there are certain values i hold that are such that if this costs me everything eh, maybe i'm willing to stand there but that's pretty hard to do um and I, and, think that, and I think that here in the United States and most of the 
um, I would say Western civilized world, we don't, we're not placed, we are not forced to be in a place where we have to make that choice. There are other places in the world where people have to make a choice every day that really will determine if they live or die. We don't have to make that choice here. So I don't, I don't, I, I, I will be the first to admit, we don't, we don't really get that. We don't, under, we don't get it as a, as a daily um, option. We don't get it as something that affects our lives. I think, you know, we're, we're pretty clear. We're going to wake up tomorrow and whether it's a good day or a bad day, we're also going to wake up and be okay the day after that. And there are people somewhere in this world who don't know that for sure. So we don't, we don't really have that option. That's right. And I would, I would simply amend that to say we don't have that issue when it comes to purely because of our religious affiliation, where in some places you do. But there are ways, I think, in our society to stand up for certain issues of justice uh, or to speak out against certain powerful entities. And that may well cost you your life or your livelihood or you'd be thrown in prison. I can, we can think of people who are out at Standing Rock right now and who've been there the last while. Um, and, um, but, but even, but even so let's say they are arrested and they have been people arrested. They've been reporters. They've been protesters. There've been many people arrested um, sure, and people injured like last year. But, but again, the arrest is almost a symbolic thing because they're usually shortly released afterwards. The, the, the arrest is not put in their life at stake. No, no, but, but I would say traumatic. people who are being shot water cannons at in sub-freezing temperatures are potentially risking their lives. Like, it, I think it's that serious of an issue, and I think the companies, uh, corporations want their oil more than I, they care about the lives of any protesters. And I, I agree with you, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to imply that what they're doing isn't serious and isn't... Yeah, putting their livelihood at stake and, and jeopardizing that. that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying because of, of the way that we in this, that this country is set up, you know, none of those people are, are we, we, we're not going to suddenly hear that they mysteriously disappeared and we don't ever hear from them again. Um, don't it's say not, that. It's not, uh, it's not. Don't say that. I, I am not as, I am not as confident this as is, you are. This is not you, you can country. say, you can say that they're not going to be like lined up and shot and that they're not going to be beheaded. But right, I fully believe that people in this country disappear because of things they're doing and things they believe. Oh, don't be a conspiracy theorist. No. Oh, can do you really, really, no. No. you really think that stuff doesn't happen here? I, I really think that stuff doesn't. Now, are, are some people snuck on the planes and extradited to other countries? Yeah, that'll happen. But I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that. You know, when we think about countries like, you know, like Russia, like like Iraq, like I mean, some really, really like like uh, really dark places where people actually literally lose their lives. Yes, that happens. I don't believe that happens here and call me naive. But no, I don't believe people who I'm going to call you naive who yeah, push back I'm, against I'm the administration are put to death in the United States. No, I don't believe that. Okay. Nah, we're not we're not top of the top of the bunch when it comes to human rights. But that I will agree with. I I will agree. We're 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 not <laughs> we're not a model necessarily that anybody needs to follow. But it's not to the extreme in other countries where people are literally killed. In I will general, admit we no. are privileged. I I think generally. Yeah. We're, we're a privileged country, but I still think stuff like that happens. If, if you step on the wrong toes in this country, I have no doubt you'll be eliminated. Well, you might Quiet. be eliminated symbolically in terms no, of... No, I don't mean symbolically. No, 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 no. I think There's accidents no symbolism happen. here. Wait, I think you, accidents guys, happen. Are you seriously saying that you think that people are being like taken out? Yes. Come on. You think she's that doesn't saying happen? It happens all the time, but she's saying yeah. it does happen. Y'all watch too. Y'all watching too much TV. Yeah, there's nah. some movies that all. I, I think you're naive. <laughs> I think you're really naive right now. I'm just an optimist. That's that. You are an optimist. I think you could be right. an optimist and be a realist at the same time. I'm just saying. I always, be I always believe in the in the better of people. Now. You can believe in the better of people, but don't ignore what's right in front of you. I'm just saying. All right, moving on to a friendlier topic in our time <laughs> remaining. A pastor recently wrote that. 
well, pastors and clergy should not be friends with members of their churches. He says relationships in the church can't revolve around anything less than the purposes of God and the spiritual well-being of others, and friendship might cause clergy to invest in their own needs instead. Discuss. Well, as the other pastor on the show, <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, the key word is friendship, and there are different levels of friendship. Um, so I think if we want to like rank levels of friendship from like acquaintance all the way to an intimate friend, no, I don't believe as a minister or a pastor that a member of your congregation should be your intimate friend. If, if, if they happen to be an intimate friend, like before you become the minister of that congregation, that that's a different story. Like, like one of my very closest friends, um, is a congregant at my church, but I was, very close friends with her way before I became the minister here at this church. So we maintain that level of closeness of friendship. But I think that when as a minister, yes, you, you know, keep, keep your, keep your congregants um, from acquaintance to like that middle range of friendship. So if you have acquaintance on one end of the spectrum and very close intimate friend on the other end um, as a minister, yes, keep the congregants from from acquaintance to maybe somewhere in the middle because then then i mean you serve as your minister as a minister you serve a specific specific role in their life and um you're there for spiritual guidance spiritual support spiritual nourishment uh leadership all those roles and when you are a close intimate friend with someone that that gets a little bit cloudy the 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 boundaries get uh, less divine, uh, defined and it can and less divine, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> and, and it can, it can lead to, to complications. You know, um, a, a, a minister friend of mine, when I was at another church before he got ordained, he said, you know, there, as a minister, there are two rules that you always need to follow to not only just maintain your job, but to honor the, the role that you play and not create, chaos in your church which is one don't touch the money don't don't embezzle the money don't touch the money don't have anything to do with the money and two don't sleep here with your congregants like don't do that either that's that's Just a go right off the deep end don't you that, that i'm telling you that's what <laughs> that's what he said and i think really what he was what he was saying in in you know you could have chosen better words what he was saying was when you when you enter into a, a certain level of friendship and intimacy with one of your congregants, it's it's a power thing, you know. It's 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 a abusing your position of influence and power, um, and and it it can get really complicated. And if it doesn't work out, then that person may not feel like they can keep coming to your church, and then you've robbed them of a spiritual home. So yeah. Okay, let's back a little bit to the friend thing. Um <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I agree with Ogan, but I do have to say that um, because I'm not a minister, so, you know, you guys know about more about this than I do, but I, I've, you know, have a lot of minister friends and I, I think it's okay if you have, uh, you know, a good friend that comes to your church that maybe is a member, but they can't be the board president or the board treasurer. You know what I mean? Like there's just boundaries um, mm -hmm. that need to be kept. Um, but I, I think it's important to have somebody close to you that comes to the church and is willing to be like, Hey dude, just wanted to tell you your sermon today. Not so great. You know what I mean? Like, I think you need yes. that intimacy with somebody that will give you an honest opinion, you know, kind of be like, dude, what's going on in your life? Because you're really not what you have been, you know, something like that. So I don't think it's bad to have somebody in the church. That's a close friend. I think it's bad to have somebody in the church, a close friend that is an employee of the church on the board of the church, really involved in the church, I think that would be a conflict of interest. And ideally, those people should be your friends before you become the minister of that church. It, it gets really tricky because here's the other here's the other piece of it. Um, you know, you if if you become really good close friends with a congregant, like a given congregant, then other congregants who are not, yes, you know, as close friends but want to be now there's like well, why is that person so close to him and i'm not as Jealousy. close to him you know so so that kind of because 
you That's know, co congregants want to be close to their ministers. And I'm, I'm praying it with a broad stroke. Some congregants are very good about realizing the roles and the boundaries and help maintain them themselves. But some of them like, yeah, I want to yeah. hang out with my minister. I want to be close to my minister. I want to be friends with my minister like that person is over there. So it's it's kind of a tricky thing. And then heaven forbid, you know, that you, you assign mm -hmm. that person who is your friend in the church, um, you know, a role or, you know, you put them in a position of, of leadership or power. They're like, well, they just got that because they're the minister's friend. It yeah. can cause a lot of, you know, issues. So you, you got to be really careful about, about how much you connect with the members of your congregation. And it's difficult because, you know, in your congregation, you're going to find people all of a sudden that you realize I like this person because of who they are. You know, they, they love sports. They love all the crazy TV shows that I watch and we can talk about it. And, 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 and suddenly there's a friendship developing and yeah, it can, it's, it's, it's a weird, tricky place. It's tricky. It's tricky yeah. is a good word. What about you, Brian? Because I mean, you have to have a pretty intimate group that you do. Know, you guys are forming a church together. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and I think, you, I think you end up being friends, so to speak, with, with folks in that setting. Um, I think the question is, are those people that you are confiding personal things with, or are they your first go-to when you want to just hang out, uh, that kind of thing? Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have an issue having friends in my congregation, but I, I can see all of the cautions that uh, you both have articulated. I think you have to be wise about it. Um, and I think you have to be aware of perception as well, as Ogan was saying, because everybody does want to be your friend uh, when you're in that role. Um, and yeah, upticks matter. Yeah. Well, I also think um, you, as ministers, you need to have confidence, confidence outside of the church that you talk to about stuff going on in the church, that it, there shouldn't, even if they're a close friend of yours, you should not be discussing church matters with them if they so, go to your church. I, I agree. So, so to go back to the example of my really good friend who was, who I, who I was friends with, with for years before I uh, started working at this church and she happened to kind of go to this church she she was um she was not a consistent church goer when I got here. She was before, and then she stepped away from a while, and then I got hired, and then she's like, "Well, now you're the minister. I can I can really you know start coming back and get involved because because we're friends." And I was, and for the first year, I said to her, "No, you're I'm banning you from church. You are not allowed to come back to church. I kind of I need you to be my friend foremost, first and foremost." I need you to also be the one who keeps me humble because as a minister, when, you know, church is done and you've given a good talk and you've got, you know, 20, 30, 50, hundred people telling you what a great job you did and how wonderful you are. You, you can, that can go to your head. Can, your ego needs a smackdown after that. Exactly. <laughs> so you need, you do need people outside the church who know you well, you know, family and close friends to keep you humble and to, to, to bring you down a notch and, and to not let you, like I like to say, drink too much of your own Kool-Aid. So, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta keep those people around us. We also, like you said, also need that, that circle of people inside the church who can be objective enough to say to you, you know, as my minister, here's, here's the feedback I want to give you about where you need to improve or grow or stretch on. And it's, and it's interesting. I actually had a meeting with a congregant this week who came in to say to me, here's the things you said and done that have made me uncomfortable. Mm. Nice. You know, and he was brave enough to say that and open enough to say that. And I think I'm, and I said to him, first of all, I'm really glad that I can create a space that you feel comfortable to say that one. Pat no doubt. Back. Well, and, yeah. and also, thank you for saying that because I am not always aware of when I am really making other people uncomfortable or neglecting them or offending them. They got to tell me. So 
And, and I have to be humble enough and open enough and surrendered enough to hear that and then say, okay, here's what I need to do differently, you know, to, to give a great Bible example, you know, with uh, David and the prophet Nathan, you know, when David sent uh, with, uh, Uriah to die in battle so he could take Sheba right. as his wife, you know, and, and Nathan came and said to him, gave him that great story about the, the man who had a lot of sheep and cattle and then killed the na- uh, killed the neighbor's one sheep, the poor neighbor's one sheep for a feast. And David is like, that man must die. And Nathan is like, yeah, I'm talking about you, dude. Like, You are the man. <laughs> you are the man. You know, so sometimes you have to be open to people coming and saying to you, this is what you are not doing great. And any good church, it's usually the people on the board and you have to have a good relationship with your board and be open to say that. And they're telling you not to put you down, but to say you may not realize you have been inadvertently doing this or saying these things. And here's the people that have been affected by it. Um, so let's let's work on, oh, on it's healthy criticism to make you better. Absolutely. All right. Uh, any any closing wisdom from uh, Oh my god, is that time already? Holy cow. Yes. I know. That flew Here I thought we were friends, but because <laughs> of our role on this show, I can't actually be friends with you guys. Um, um so I do want to say it's it's been <laughs> You're very good friends with us. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> Whether you like uh, it or not. <laughs> you know, what? this is this has been a wonderful year. Like we started this in January. It's been about a year. Um, this, this truly is the night I look forward to most in the week. Um, I, I love you. I don't want to get sappy, but I love you guys. Um, and consider you some of my closest friends and, and I love doing this show with you. So I want to say thank you for helping me to, to stay, to, to stay humble. Cause you, you too, especially Tina. It is a not, big freaking job. Let me tell not, you. <laughs> easy now do not has a do not hesitate to help keep me humble you're right it is a big job um but but i i truly appreciate you both uh for it i truly appreciate you in my life um and i'm i am the richer for having you in my life so thank you guys glad we do this show together looking forward to another great year of pub theology live in 2017 me too um, I, I have something to say. It's very similar to what Ogan just said, but I wrote it down, so I'm going to read it. Um, so you two know more than the audience does that um, this year has been very traumatic and transitional for me, and it was both beautiful and extremely painful. Um, and there were a few weeks, and this is very sad to actually admit live, there were a few weeks um, when this show was the only sure thing I had. Um, and there were a few times that the pub theology hour was the only time I laughed that day or, or even that week. Um, so I just wanted to say thanks to you two for putting up with my sassy attitude and sometimes my jaded view of the world, because I do realize there were some episodes that I was pretty jaded. Um, and your fun, your, your fun co-hosts and your, um, your amazing friends. And I'm just really glad you're in my life and you let me on the show and, um, I just hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and the listeners do as well. And it's going to be an awesome new year because we can't repeat 2016. <laughs> make me cry here. Oh. You guys. Wow. Man. Awesome. Thank you we both. Got, as got well. all sappy on you. <laughs> I know. Sappy, not sassy. Come on. Don't, don't break roles now. Keep the roles. This, is, this has They're been wrong. a ton of fun for me as well. So thank you guys for uh, putting up with my, sometimes lack of humor and sometimes too serious <laughs> attitude. Uh, it's just, it's been a lot of fun hanging out and talking about uh, some stuff that matters and, you know, sharing that with the wider audience has been really cool. So I, I enjoy and look forward to our time each week. So thank you both. So we are, uh, this is our last episode for the year. We will be back on, are we, are we starting right in that first week, January 3rd? Are we back? Is that, is that when we're planning? We're planning yeah. it now. We obviously haven't really talked about it. It'll be the yes, third or the tenth. Stay tuned. Third. We talked about doing the third. <laughs> Brian, okay, Brian, a two-week break. Brian giving us the out. <laughs>
It's going to be the third or the 10th. Or the 10th. Hey, all I'm saying is my kids are home for spring, uh, Christmas break that whole second, that whole first week of January. Seriously? I don't know who does the scheduling. Oh but Wow. That's crazy. So stay tuned, folks. Either the Maybe the 10th. <laughs> I think we should do it the third and have your kids kind of like, you know, come come visit the show. There we go. All right. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in because you, our listeners, help make this show what it is. So please connect and spread the word on social media. Let people know you're listening to Pub Theology Live. And of course, if you go through a drought over the Christmas break, you can listen to our previous episodes anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. And if you want to find some friends in your town uh, that you can have these kinds of conversations with, please go to pubtheology.com and check out the directory. And we want to again thank our sponsors, Craft Beer Cellar, and our sponsor uh, for this holiday season, Casual Priest. Thanks to both of them. And please uh, listen for ways to win free items from both of them. And so until next time, friends, please drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. And we'll see you in 2017. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year! I'm tempted to pour a little of this craft beer shampoo into my beer. Would that be a bad idea? <laughs> Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs>